0: Welcome. We have done a little bit of a, um, time warp just now. Um, I've gone back to the future, back to the past, back again, new turn, 15 point turn in a TARDIS. Really hard to turn a TARDIS, cause it's all oblong, you know, really, really tricky to do those, those J-turns. Um, but we'll do it, guys. We'll do it. We'll navigate. Uh, the time stream, and we'll get to where we want to be. And where we want to be today is Catlin VIII, Game of Thrones. The Roman numerals are getting increasingly tricky. Sometimes you've got to spend a second going, what is it, five plus one plus one plus one, so five, it's eight. It's Catlin eight. A Game of Thrones. Maths, it's not really what you want to be doing when you're trying to sit down and read a book, is it? Give me some of those Arabic numerals, not those Roman ones. The Roman ones are barely numerals, are they? They're just letters pretending to be numbers. Be who you really are. Be your true self. If you're a number, be a number. And if you're a letter, be a number. I mean a letter. Shit, that could get confusing. Um, alright, so we all in here, we all looking cosy, I see Caleb and Kata in the chat. Um, and so, yeah, just to explain, so we did do an off-schedule episode um, not so long ago, uh, and that's going to happen sometimes, impromptu episodes when you least expect it, just to keep you on your toes, you know, wouldn't want you getting complacent. Um, it's important to make sure, you know, at any moment you've got to be ready for some swift bam. It can happen like that, out of the shadows, you know, out from the dust. Uh, So, you know, you just got to keep an eye open. Alright, so the chat box as well is now working, so for those who haven't seen it before, uh, the live chat on the YouTube live stream is now on the video itself, which is pretty exciting. Uh, It means that I can pay a little more attention to what you guys are saying, and hopefully I can do that at the same time whilst talking about the book. I think this episode will try a little harder to actually make sure we say some sensible things about the book. Um, Because you don't want to get so excited about bells and whistles that you forget about the horse that carries the whole carriage, you know? The content, you know? You don't want to get so caught up in decorating the cake with drawing all the little pictures out of uh, icing uh, that you forget, hold on, i got to put some eggs and some butter... And make it rise. Caddo will tell you all about that, I'm sure. Um but yes, welcome everybody to the live stream. Uh do we have any do we have any housekeeping? There is a Discord, there is a Facebook for the Schwifty squad. Um that will be linked on the YouTube video. Uh the schedule remains the same. It's nine PM Eastern time, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh we might push out an hour earlier at some point. I know that some of you would prefer an hour earlier uh, for some of our European friendos, so that is doable at some point, but for now we'll stick with 9pm, uh, and this chapter is a Catlin chapter, and Catlin uh, Catelyn is riding towards Moat Catelyn. That's what we're talking about today. So, last time we saw Catlin, she was in the Vale. She was in the Vale just after having, um, captured Tyrion Lannister and accused him of the murder of Bran, a crime of which he was innocent. Uh, and then uh, hauling him off to her sister Lysa at the Vale and putting him through a trial, uh, and then having him, having him win the trial, uh, and walk a free man. Uh, so Catelyn, without accomplishing anything, uh, managed to. Uh, start the War of the Five Kings, because Tywin Lannister was not too pleased that his son Tyrion was captured by a tully, therefore Tywin started just burning shit in the Riverlands. Uh, Which sucks for the Riverlanders, really. I mean, if you're some peasant, if you're just some farmer whose main uh, concern every day is, um, you know, how can I make these potatoes grow better um, you really, the last thing you want on your, like, wish list, on your bucket list, on your to-do list, is get speared by some Lannister wanker because some foreign lady stole a dwarf. I mean, that's, that's what you'd feel like as you're dying, just getting slain by Grail in the Riverlands. You'll sit there thinking, it, it, because some random dwarf was dwarfnapped, I'm, I'm gonna be murdered. People who I've never met are having some ridiculous squabble, and that's why my entrails are over there, and I'm over here. You know? I'd like to keep my entrails inside of me. But unfortunately, due to Westerosi politics amongst ladies and the lords, it doesn't get to happen. It sucks. Um, But that's something we'll learn more about in Feast. At the moment, Catelyn is riding towards Mokalyn. So Catelyn has left the Vale, she took a boat down to White Harbour, uh, where the Manderlys are, and then she's come with the Manderlys from White Harbour to Moat calen to meet up with her son Rob Stark, who is leading an army of Northmen south. Uh, in retaliation over the imprisonment of Ned Stark and Sansa being taken as hostage, so that's what's happening here. And so Catelyn approaches Moat uh, and she finds it hard to make out the banners on the castle. Uh, there's a drifting fog that makes it hard to see. It's it's almost like it's almost like Catelyn has poor vision. It's almost like Catelyn has poor. She can't see what's just ahead of her. It's almost like Catelyn has. Poor foresight. It's almost like Catlin can't always appreciate the full consequences of her actions. It's almost like Catlin just kidnapped the son of the most wealthy and powerful lord in the Seven Kingdoms without properly considering the consequences of that action. It's almost like that. So the fog maybe could be taken as that metaphor, uh, or maybe it could be just be taken as fog. Uh, so Catlin approaches the castle and she sees the gray direwolf of Stark a banner hanging over Moat Cailin so Moat Cailin is uh that ruined uh fortress castle down in the neck uh which is like the narrow chokehold between the north and the south Moat Cailin commands uh that gap and so it's sort of the southernmost fortress in the north um and so Catelyn is accompanied by Willis Manderley, Brendan Tully uh, and the Mandalay army, including fifteen hundred men. Uh and um they their army is full of a bunch of sort of peasant blokes mostly, uh but they've also got some knights and some archers and lances and all of those sorts of things. Um and Lord Wyman uh Lord Wyman, the the Lord who is too stout to sit a horse Uh, thank you very much to Knitted Kraken for, for a very kind donation. Uh, no message from Knitted Kraken. Uh, just, uh, just, hey, if you're gonna, if you're gonna have a kraken, may as well be knitted. I imagine the, uh, yarn or the cotton or whatever you're knitting your kraken out of might get a bit damp, uh, if you're sort of doing krakeny things with it, right? I mean, down in the ocean, um... You want your Krakens to be waterproof, I would think, or at least water-resistant, like all those new phones are getting these days. Um, So that's a recommendation to anyone knitting a Kraken. Uh, Make sure you make it out of appropriate materials. Uh, So thank you very much, Knitted Kraken. Uh, and yeah, by the way, if you would like to make a donation, you can ask a question, you can make a comment, and I'll read it out, I can answer your question. Uh, you could even vote for more or less tangents in an episode, uh, uh, and it will be done. Um, so that's the deal with the, <laughs> with the little Super Chat donations. Uh, Alright, so the Manderlees are accompanying Catelyn towards Moat Kalen. Um, and Lord Manderley would come himself, except he is so gigantically obese that he cannot sit a horse. Uh, Lord Wyman Manderley, Lord too, too fat to sit a horse. Uh, I wonder if a sufficiently... Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Uh, uh, Andrus Braits suggests, um, knitted kraken. We do not sew, but sew, spelt S-E-W. That's quite good. I like that. Um, anyway, so Lord Wyman Manderley is, is incredibly fat, uh, and cannot sit a horse. Uh, and his sons are similar. So his sons Wendell, uh, oh, sorry, w- yeah, Wendell and Willis are both also very, very fat. Catelyn thinks that Wendell and Willis, uh, Wendell and Willis might be the fattest men she'd ever seen, uh, had she not met their father Wyman. Uh, so it seems that, uh, the obesity seems to run in the family there, uh, Maybe it's genetic uh or maybe it's all the eels they've been eating uh wyman Wyman says that uh if he had expected to see more war in his lifetime, he should have eaten a few less eels um and Catelyn suggests Catelyn suggests that uh Wendell is only a few eels away from being too f- uh w- Willis is only a few eels short of not being able to mount his own horse. Maybe they should ride some, some larger animal, right? Maybe they should, um, I mean, or or just a fatter animal to suit their own, uh, corpulence. I mean, what if you just, uh, got a horse that was, that was large enough to bear Willis and Wendell and Wyman Manderley, um, or just a larger animal entirely, like an elephant, you know, there are elephants in Game of Thrones. Maybe uh, Wyman could just buy an elephant from Essos and just ride it into battle like a bloody mumma kill. You know, wouldn't that be incredible? Lord, too fat to sit a horse, fat enough to sit an elephant. I'd like that. Um... But we might not see that any time soon. Uh, so, the are uh, they're nice enough, according to Catelyn. Um, they both have ridiculous, ostentatious walrus moustaches. Uh, and they're both bald, and they're both very fat. Uh, and the, and their clothes are covered in food stains. Um, but they're nice enough, Catelyn figures. And the main thing, the main thing, is that the Manderleys are helping get her safely to rob at Moat Catelyn. And... And according to Catelyn, nothing else matters. Uh, So, Catelyn lays out quite clearly that her main concern here, her main interest, is getting to her son, Rob, at the castle. Uh, And... Catelyn is, of course, very concerned, because her rob is starting a bloody war. Uh, Her son is a teenager, her son is 15 years old, and he's leading an army to war, and she is desperately afraid for him, but she also feels a certain amount of pride that her young son is doing something so important, Um, and she also sort of wonders what kind of person her son is now, because not so long ago he had been a boy, but now he is beginning to become a man, so that's one of the themes of this chapter. Uh, She notices the Mandalay Banner, uh, the White Merman, uh, and there's a camp ahead of some of the northern men, uh, and so they approach, and the ground is soft and wet, Uh, they see a banner of the Hornwoods, uh, and they see Moat Kaelin itself. So Moat Kaelin uh, is a ruin. There are huge stones as large as cottages just scattered across the area uh, uh, collapsed towers and things. There are just three towers remaining in Moat Cailin when there apparently used to be 20. Uh, so this used to be an enormous, an enormous, uh, castle that was built by the First Men thousands of years ago. Um, but it's been destroyed since, mostly destroyed, and so only a small part of it stays. It's still really strategically important, um, because it's in this chokehold, this 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 really important place in between the north and the south, uh, and so you can defend it um, and you can hold the north against the south with it, because uh, it's surrounded by all these bogs that are full of like snakes and crocodiles and all this nasty swampy shit. Um, uh, so it's a really important place, even though it's an old ruin. But it's really interesting that 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 it is a ruin and it is among so many ruins in the world of ice and fire, there are many, uh, ruined cities, ruined castles. Um, I mean, Harrenhal is, is one example, but if you, if you look over in Essos, like the, like the maps that they release of, of the whole world of ice and fire, there are ruined cities everywhere, like all up and down the Rhoyne and out in, and out around the Dothraki sea, um, and, and down in south in Sothios, um, there's constant talk of ruins. And many places in Westeros are are built on ruins and old abandoned structures that no one remembers how they work anymore. There's like, you know, the Hightower, um, and stuff like that that was built on foundations of black oily stone that no one remembers, uh, how old it is or where it came from. Um, so Game of Thrones is full of, of, what could almost be called like a post-apocalyptic vibe, because there are all these old, destroyed civilizations, and all these broken castles and broken cities, which speak of former prosperity, uh, where now there's only ruins, which begs the question, what caused all these ruins? What caused all these civilizations to collapse? Um, the answer maybe being, in some cases, well, shit like the Long Night, shit like the White Walkers, these apocalypses, which we don't really seem to understand, uh, but which might be a sort of recurrent cycle in the world of ice and fire. Maybe it's like the Reapers in Mass Effect. Anyone know about the Reapers? Because they're like these intergalactic space gremlins who just wipe out all intelligent life in the galaxy every, like, five, ten thousand years or so maybe something similar is going on in game of thrones maybe the maybe the reapers uh are the white walkers who come up to level civilization every few millennia or so um the system works but it's not very pleasant for those who get exterminated uh and yeah it is also like middle earth because middle earth also has um a whole lot of ruins sitting around for great civilizations um that have been destroyed. So it's a similar vibe to that. Um and so yeah, there are only three towers still standing at Moat Kalen. Uh so there's the Drunkard's Tower, the Children's Tower, and the Gatehouse Tower. The Children's Tower is called the Children's Tower because supposedly, uh, many, many, many years ago, the children of the forest, the little little hippie elves who live in the forest, uh Supposedly, it was from this tower that they called the magic of the gods uh, to to flood the Neck, this area that we're in now. Uh, because at the time, the first men, the first humans, were arriving at Westeros. Um, and, and the children were trying to fight them, because the men were trying to wipe out the children. Uh, and the children were using magic to try to defend their land against the human invader's uh, and so they so from so something that they did previously was they used the hammer of the waters on the arm of dawn. So it used to be that Westeros was connected to Essos by a land bridge. The Children destroyed that land bridge, flooded it uh, with with their magic. The breaking of the arm of dawn that was called. Uh, and they tried to do something similar uh, from the Children's Tower in the neck when they called the hammer of the waters onto the neck. The neck used to be land, uh, but they flooded it and turned it into the bog that it is now with magic, and supposedly they did it, um, from this tower. Uh, and, and yeah, so, Taylor, Taylor Butler, the Moat was supposedly built fu- by the First Men, um, thousands of years ago, uh, and they used it in their various wars against one another for years, um, but I think some people do question whether it's plausible for the First Men thousands of years ago to have built such a massive, complex castle, um, and so there are all sorts of theories about other forces being involved in the building of this stuff. Uh, all sorts of cool theories, which we might have to talk about, uh, in some kind of Alt-Shift-X video. I'll, I'll let, I'll let Alt-Shift-X know for you. I'll say, I'll, 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 Alt-Shift-X, I'll, I'll get in the ear of Alt-Shift-X. I'll, I'll, I'll tell him to make a video about that. Um, so, Moat Catelyn, Catlin and the Mandalays. Uh, and Brindon Tully, the Blackfish, have turned up at Moat Kalen. Uh and, Kay- and Catelyn does assure Brynden that this castle is very strategically impo- important. She describes the bogs, full of quicksands and suck holes and snakes and lizards, uh, and supposedly ghosts. Just in case just in case, uh, lizards and snakes and bogs and suckholes aren't enough, there are also ghosts in the bogs of Murt Kalen supposedly. Uh, the ghosts of vengeful Northmen, who want to, uh, stop any, uh, nor, uh, stop any Southerners getting into the North. The Ghosts are racist, basically. We've got racist ghosts out in the bogs who, uh, who hate Southerners and want to kill them all. Um... Which is the worst kind a racist, a racist ghost, a, a, a bigot ghost. Imagine if the Ghostbusters had to go out, uh, and, and they were dealing with, uh, not only vengeful dead, but, uh, but racially abusive dead. Um, that would just add a whole other layer of hassle to ghost, ghost busting. Um, real, real pain in the ass. Um, I mean, go- I mean, a ghost is already sort of in the uniform of the, of the Ku Klux Klan, aren't they? Uh, not to get too topical, I mean, all they need is the pointy hat because they're already in the white robes, right? Depending on what kind of canonical ghost you're going for, um, like, uh, like Casper the ghost. I mean, he has that quite rounded head, but if he was wearing like a like a sort of a pointy hat, uh, he would pretty much be like the, the the Grand Wizard, just just right there. What do they call themselves? The Grand Dragon? Something absurd. Um, so yes, ghosts are racist. I'm glad we've established that. Um and Moat Cailin is scary. Uh and so this great ruined ruin castle has been occupied by the northerners that are being led by Rob. So the Stark banner uh, is on the Gatehouse Tower, the Umber Banner is on the Children's Tower, and the Car Stark Banner is on the drunkards tower. Um and she goes in and finds her son Rob uh out in a tent, and he's looking over a big pile of maps and papers, uh, because they haven't invented the internet yet, and they've got to use paper in order to work out what's what, Um, and uh, well, here I am with paper here, Um, and he's talking with a bunch of his bannermen. Who are the various men, the lords who lead the houses that comprise the army that he's leading? And so he's discussing war plans intently with his bannermen. And his bannermen include the great John Umber, uh, who he recently uh, uh, trimmed a few fingers off with his doggo, um, and Roose Bolton, the creepy lord of the Dread Fort. Um, and, and then Rob looks up and sees his mum and he says, Mummy! with a voice thick with emotion he says oh mama you've come to look after me um is is the implication of what rob says uh but callan wants to run up and embrace him and kiss him and hold him but she can't do that in front of his bannerman because rob is a politician now rob is a rob is a lord now rob is a man now and so she can't coddle him in front of everyone else uh so she doesn't she she sort of stands back a bit and just sort of says, oh, my, you've grown. You've got a beard. Um, because Rob does look like more of a man now. He seems taller. His wolf seems bigger. His wolf Grey Wind seems bigger than any wolf has a right to be. Um, <laughs> Andrus Bratton wants Swift to stop saying Doggo. Doggo is not a thing. I'm sorry, but uh, Doggo is a thing. Doggo is very much a thing. Um, uh, and you, you can't say otherwise, I'm afraid. Uh, and so, and Rob's beard, by the way, is quite red, um, because the Starks tend to have brown hair, the Tullys tend to have red hair, the whole sort of, uh, genetics of which is a bit questionable. All the different families in Westeros seem to have their very own, uh, hair colour, um, and, and, and the Tully hair colour seems to be red, uh, and, which is something that they don't do in the books, but, uh, in the show, but whatever, um, and so Catelyn strokes Grey Wind, uh, and just sort of says some sort of idle chit-chat about Rob's new beard, uh, she's just trying to seem standoffish and polite while, uh, the Bannermen are around, uh, and then the Bannermen greet her, so Helman Tallheart of House Tallheart. Tallheart doesn't seem to appear in this show at all, I don't think, for some reason. Um, I suppose it's not all that important, but still. So Hellman Hart turns up and, uh, just sort of pays his respects to Catelyn, as do the other bannermen, um, and then, and then most of them file out. And Theon Greyjoy is also here. So Theon Greyjoy occupies this weird sort of social role where, like, he's not, he's not a Stark, he's not one of the bannermen of the Starks, he doesn't command an army, um, but he still has, like, a pretty, uh, high status position where he just gets to hang out with uh with uh the the leader of the north, Rob Stark. Um so he's just sort of hanging about uh loosely. Um and uh they discussed the blackfish, they discussed discuss the they discussed the mandalies and Rob's like, Yep, I'm really glad to have both of you here. By the way, Roderick Cassell uh has returned to Winterfell to look after Winterfell. Um sadly he will die there. Um and and then Umber walks up to Catelyn, and I was like, "Yo, Catelyn, you don't need to worry. You don't need to worry about any of this war stuff. You know, uh, well, I'm I'm fucking great, John Umber. I'm a big bloke. I'm one of the biggest men in Westeros. And you don't need to fucking worry about any of those goddamn Lannister bloody princely little prissy little blonde blonde cunts in the south. You don't need to worry about any of those cunts. You know, we'll look after Winterfell." We'll look after the North. We'll shove our swords up Tywin Lannister's hole soon enough. Begging your pardons. And then it's on to the Red Keep to save Ned. Stop off some, for some snags at Bunnings on the way home. Have a good meal. Put my doggo in the back of a ute. Uh, have a good night. Bev's, uh, Palmer, Pot, just have a good time it's all fine, you don't need to worry at all, uh, about this war stuff, so you leave it to me, Caddy, little catfish, we got it covered. Uh, so Great John is, um, a little overconfident about the whole war thing, uh, and it's, and it's almost kind of tragic knowing what we know now, uh, about his vision of how he imagines this war going, um... He imagines we'll just march down to the Red Keep, save Ned, and everything will be easy and fine. But sadly, things are not so complicated. Um, Levi Ackerman asks whether the Great John could beat Jamie in a fight. Which is a good question, because the Great John is huge. And he is renowned to some extent to be a good fighter, I believe. Um, but he doesn't have the same reputation as Jamie. Uh, Jamie. Jamie's said to be one of the most skilled swordsmen, like, Ever. Um, so I'm not sure how much Great John's size would would give him benefit, um, but we don't really know at the end of the day, I don't know if it makes much sense to try and speculate about who could beat who, um, given that we, we, we just sort of don't know at the end of the day. Um, yeah, Great John will be stronger than Jamie, but Jamie's undoubtedly more skilled. Uh, so I guess it might depend on the circumstances, the environment, the weapons, whatever, but, uh, my money's probably on on Jamie. Yeah, without swords, Great John would probably win, I guess. It's mostly with a sword that Jamie is skilled. And yeah, of course, we are thinking with his hand. If Jamie was was only with his left hand, he'd be screwed against the Great John, I think. Because uh, Jamie's pretty rubbish with his left hand still. Alrighty, um, so Great John's uh talking smack about how he was going to kill the Lannisters. Uh, sadly, he is wrong. Uh, and then Roose Bolton, Bruce Bolton, the creepy, cold man with the strange, pale uh, with the strange, pale eyes. He says, "Uh, hmm, I have a uh question, uh, for Catalin. A no matter of some strategic importance. Uh, you could say. I'd like to inquire about the status of the dwarf Tyrion Lannister, who you took captive and thereby started this war." Have you got Tyrion? Because if we have Tyrion, we could trade him for the hostages that the Lannisters say. Uh, For the Lannisters. Uh, So he's thinking like, all right. so if uh, if our goal is to get Ned Stark and Sansa Stark, we should just be able to trade those hostages for Tyrion, if we have Tyrion. Uh, But then Callan has to admit to everybody, Ah, yeah, you know how that whole capturing Tyrion Lannister thing that started this whole war? Uh, I, I... I lost him. I, I kind of lost him. He, he slipped through my fingers like a slippery dwarf. You know, it's pretty pretty hard to hold Tyrion in your hands. Uh, he just slips through my fingers. So, yep, the most valuable asset we have, I lost. Uh, so, Adam 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 Klatz asks... I need to increase the font size. Adam asks whether Roose was planning to betray the Starks at this point. Which is a good question, because of course Bolton later uh becomes one of the uh uh engineers behind the Red Wedding, uh, and the great betrayal of the Starks, uh where Rob was where Roose was promised to become Warden of the North in return for overthrowing Rob Stark, King in the North. Um we don't really know if at this particular moment he was planning to betray the starks i suppose uh, but it doesn't take him very long cuz a lot of the ways that roose uh was undermining the starks was not only by um by eventually doing the re- the red wedding and killing rob But he also did a whole bunch of like strategic military stuff to undermine the Starks. Uh, so one thing he does is that he sends a bunch of men into Duskendale, which is like a completely ill-advised attack. Um, he sends like some Tallhearts and some Glovers and stuff into, to just to get chewed up and killed in Duskendale. Uh, Hellman Tallheart, uh, gets, uh, captured, or killed? Captured there, I think. No, killed. Hellman Dusk- Hellman Tallheart gets killed at Duskendale, who we just met. Um... Uh, and Rus also like splits up some of his forces, uh, in one of the more, uh, nearby battles as well. So Rus like consistently undermines the Northern forces in the War of the Five Kings, but he does it in like subtle ways where it's not like totally clear that it was him betraying. So, you know, I suppose it's, it's, it's reasonable, it's reasonable to, 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 to speculate that he was probably plotting something at this point. Um, but I guess we don't have any certain evidence either way. Um, so Catelyn has to admit that, yep, I, I I lost Tyrion, our most important asset, I lost him. Um, and then she sort of reflects on how, uh, her bloody sister Lysa was responsible for a lot of that, because of course Lysa pushed for the trial right away, and the trial was what freed Tyrion. Um, and Catelyn and Lysa's parting was not pleasant. Uh, so Catelyn had suggested that she maybe take Robert Arryn with her, uh, Lysa's son Robert. Um, and, um, and she's like, oh, look, it'll, it'll do him some good to, like, hang out with, um, hang out with some of my boys, some of the Stark boys, and, you know, be fostered and just have a nice time, and I'll look after him, it'll be great. But then Lysa, uh, had been enraged by the suggestion that her dear little sweet Robin be taken, be taken from her. Uh, she says, uh, Catelyn, you may be my sister, but if you try to steal my son... You will leave by the moon door. I will kill you if you try to take my son away from me. So of course Lysa is very overprotective of Robert Aaron, her little boy. But that, that's also very telling, uh, that Catelyn is um is so so not only defensive, but 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 outwardly willing to kill in order to keep her son from being taken away from her. And her son being fostered away, she she considers that her son being stolen away from her. Which might possibly help help explain, um, which might possibly help explain uh, the death of John Arryn. So we know that Littlefinger was able to convince Lysa to kill John Aaron. We're never really directly told much about Lysa's motivations there. Like, um, in in certain respects, there were indications that John and Lysa had like a not completely terrible marriage. Like, we don't know. I mean, there's no evidence of any like strong animosity between the two. Uh, outwardly. So, like, why was Lysa so happy to murder her husband? Uh, well, we do know that John Aaron was planning to foster Robert Aaron, either to Dragonstone or Ghastly Rock, depending on who you ask. Um... And since we learn here that Lysa views any attempt uh, to um, to foster Robert away as stealing her son from her, something she's willing to kill to prevent, well, then it makes perfect sense that if John was trying to foster Robert away, Lysa would be happy to kill him. And no doubt with Littlefinger whispering in her ear as well, uh, he would be able to uh, convince her further, like worm tongue, that this is a threat against her son. So that might have been a very large part about why uh, uh, Liza was willing to kill Robert. Um, alrighty, so... She left the Eerie, she came to White Harbour, and now she's at Moat Um And she decides that she wants to speak with Rob alone, so that she can actually express her emotions towards her son, and so all of the Bannermen leave. Uh, and you, Theon, she says. So Theon's sort of lurking about, um, and and eventually they all file out. Um, but but yeah, when Catelyn says, and you, Theon, get out of here, you means you bloody squid, um, Theon smiles, then leaves them. So Theon smiling is something that I don't really do in the show at all, but in the books, Theon is, is often described as smiley and having a certain smile, which often seems to be, sadly, an expression of pain with Theon gradually. In this case, he's being told to leave the room uh, and that's when he he smiles, when he's feeling a bit hurt, when he's feeling a bit lonely, when he's feeling a bit off-kilter, he smiles, because that's the mask that he uses to try, and he's always about like, oh, I don't need no one, I'm Theon Greyjoy, I just have a lot of sex with a lot of prostitutes, and I just shoot shoot people with arrows, and that's all I need to be happy. Smile. He's not, he's not very happy, though. Uh, I'll have to tell Alt-Shift-X to do a video on Theon sometime. Um, and so, finally, Rob and Catelyn are left alone. Uh, and we sneak a quick food description in here as well, because there is ale and cheese. Um, ale and cheese on the table. Uh, and yes, Rob looks taller, uh, he looks more manly, but still, he's only 15 years old. (laughs) He's 15 years old. Um, and he's leading an army to battle. Uh, and so he's like, and so Catelyn's like, what are you doing? Are you really, you really doing this? Uh, and Rob's like, look, someone had to do it. Someone had to lead this army. There was no one else to do it. Um, and, and Catelyn's like, no one else. <laughs> like we were just in a room full of people who could have led this army. Like there's, there's Roos, there's Rickard, there's Galbert and Robert Glover. There's the great John. Any of those guys could have done a great job leading this army. But Rob says, well, they are not Starks. And only a Stark should lead an army of the Northmen, right? Um, and and Catelyn's like, but look, Rob, like, these guys are like seasoned battle commanders. You're a 15-year-old boy who was, like, playing with practice swords a year ago. Like, you're not an experienced little military <laughs> leader. Um, and Rob's like, oh, yeah, I, I know. You're right, Mom. Are you gonna send me to my room? Are you going to put me on timeout? Am I grounded, Mum? Am I going to have to go home? Um, and Catelyn says, well, I want you to. Like, I'd rather you you go be safe at home. Uh, but, but you've come too far now. You've taken all these bloody Northmen. You've gathered this whole army. You've called the banners. Um, you can't leave now. Because if you leave now, these bannermen aren't going to respect you. They're going to laugh at you if you gather all the armies just to send everyone home. Off to war, boys! Gather your swords, gather your men, gather the supplies, we're going to off to save the world! Oh, wait, oh, my my mummy just arrived and she, and she says I have to go home. Uh, Call off the war. Sorry, call off the war. It's You, you, you can't do that. Because Rob is, of course, eventually going to be the Lord of Winterfell after Ned dies, which is going to happen uh, sooner. Uh, rather than later. Uh, and so it's important that the bannermen, these these men who, who who lead the North, respect Rob, and Rob is not going to gain their respect by calling a war, then calling it off. Uh, it's like making a Facebook group for a huge party and inviting everybody and saying, it's going to be fucking off tits, mate. It's going to be lit and tits and all of those things that rhyme. Um, and then cancelling and saying, oh, I'm sorry. My mummy says that I can't hold the party uh, at 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 her house because uh, the neighbours don't like the noise complaints. You can't do that if you want your bannerman to respect you. Um, laughter is poison to fear, she says, and you need your bannerman to fear you a bit. Uh, and that almost echoes something that Tywin says, or an attitude that Tywin has. Tywin hates laughter, and he desperately wants respect all the time. Um, and so that's, so that's sort of a stark acknowledgement of some of that thinking. The Starks do, do acknowledge that you need your people to fear you a bit. Um, just, uh, they don't emphasize that quite as much as the Lannisters emphasize. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, so it's too late now. You've got to go ahead with the war because if you turn around now, you're never going to get the respect of the people who you lead. Um, and then they talk about Ned. So there have been reports about Ned, uh, Ned's imprisonment, King Robert's sudden death, uh, and Catelyn is, of course, frightened by her husband's imprisonment. Uh, but she tries not to let her son see her fear. So in the same way you've got to sort of manage your image, uh, around your bannerman. you've also got to manage your image to your son to some point. Catelyn is also trying to make sure, uh, her son, uh, respects her own strength to a certain extent. So she does not let him see her fear. Uh, And then Rob talks about the letter that he got from Sansa uh, and gives it to Catelyn. Uh, And so Catelyn is disbelieving and angry and afraid by the letter. And she identifies that, yeah, this letter, this wasn't written by Sansa. This was written by Cersei. Um, This is Cersei's work. Uh, And essentially what they're saying about saying, oh look, Sansa is very well looked after in King's Landing. She's just reclining and being fed lemon cakes. uh, And and there are palm tree leaves being waved to keep her cool and grapes are being peeled. Um... That's what the letter sort of said, but Catelyn reads between the lines and identifies that. Well, what this letter really means is that Lannister is saying, Haha, look, we've got your daughter Sansa, and if you attack our men, we'll chop her head off. Uh, so it's essentially a threat, is what Cersei has engineered through this letter. Um, and Rob points out that there's no mention of Arya, which cannot possibly be a good sign. Um... Uh, and and Rob is again like you know if you had Tyrion if you didn't drop the bloody dwarf we could have maybe traded Tyrion to get Sansa and Ned the hostages it could have been possible uh, but since Catelyn lacked the foresight since Catelyn couldn't see through the fog she made the terrible mistake with Tyrion. Um, and she, and Rob also says, all right, well, maybe your sister Lysa in the Vale, like, is, is she going to contribute some soldiers towards our cause? Like, the Vale has lots of knights, the Vale has lots of soldiers, can Lysa give us some of those soldiers so we can fight better? And Catelyn says, nah, Lysa's not going to let any of our soldiers out of the Vale, she just wants to defend her little bloody son, um, and Rob's like, shit. Uh, and so Rob has a moment of going like, uh, fuck, alright, so we don't have the Veilmen, uh, we don't have Tyrion as a hostage, what are we gonna fucking do? Uh, I've gathered 18,000 men uh, in this great northern army here, I don't, I don't know, I'm not certain, I don't, and then he just sort of chokes up and then for a moment he's a boy again. So he had been a proud young lord, but now he's a 15-year-old child looking to, to his mother for answers again. So that duality between being a man and being a boy is a theme for Rob. Um, and, and Catelyn's like, all right, look. You've gotta you've gotta be decisive, you've gotta be certain. You have got no choice, but you have gotta make shit happen. It's a bit like Ned. It's a bit that, that Ned Starkian situation of having no choice. This is your burden to bear, but you've just gotta deal with it the best way you can. Um and Catelyn says Callan gives like Rob like a great pep talk, you know? Um and so she's like, Look, you've gotta you've gotta be decisive, um, you've gotta command respect, um, you've gotta have power and, you know, as long as as long as you present enough of a threat to the Lannisters militarily, then they won't—they uh, won't kill Sansa or Ned. So long as. Uh, they fear retribution from this massive army that we've got. So they've got hostages, but we've got this dope-ass northern army with which we're going to kick ass. Um, it's like it's almost like a mutually assured destruction type thing, where the Lannisters are threatening to destroy Ned and Sansa, but the north are threatening to destroy the bloody Lannister lands with their army. Of course, the Lannisters also have an army. The Lannisters have an army under Tywin Lannister and an army under Jamie Lannister. Armies which are bigger than the northern ones, I think. Um, so... So, the Lannisters, uh, do seem, uh, this, the, the Lannisters are the Goliath in this situation, uh, and the Starks are the Samson, but always, in fiction, root for the underdog. Uh, and so, and yeah, so Catelyn emphasizes, like, also, you know, we can't, we can't fuck around as well. Like, if we lose, we're fucked, basically. Um, remember the fate of Rhaegar's children. So, Rhaegar Targaryen in the Sack of King's Landing, his children, uh, uh, Rhaenys and Aegon, uh, were murdered by Gregor Clegane in Armory launch Tywin Lannister is the sort of man who is willing to have children slaughtered, um, if that's just what's if that's just the vibe in in the room that night uh, during wartime. He will slay innocents, uh, and so Catelyn's saying, "Well, you know, we better not lose to Tywin Lannister, or, or he'll fucking murder our children." Uh, so, uh, pro tip: don't lose. Great advice, Catelyn. Don't lose. Um, and so Rob's like, "All right." I will not lose. I will win. Uh, and so Catelyn's like, alright, then what's what's the plan? What's the go? So Rob's like, alright, well there's been fighting recently in the Riverlands around the Golden Tooth. Um, Lords Vance and Lords Piper were sent by Edmure Tully to go fight Tywin Lannister. Uh, and Tywin apparently kicked their ass. Um, and Rob is also aware that Beric Dondarrion was sent out by Ned from King's Landing. Um, and uh, and they were caught in a trap. Uh, So Beric was sent to go bring the mountain Gregor Clegane to justice for all of the raiding he's been doing in the Riverlands under Tywin's orders, Uh, but Tywin was expecting this. Uh, and so he actually attacked Beric's party from both sides, um, and some of them escaped, but most of them were slaughtered. Uh, And we actually learn later that this was part of a plan by Tywin Lannister to capture Ned Stark. Tywin was uh, anticipating, rightfully, that Ned would want to lead that party himself to go and capture and execute Gregor Clegane. Uh, And so Tywin's plan was for Ned uh, to come out uh, with that party, uh, Tywin to capture him uh, and then just trade Ned for Tyrion and then just prevent the war from having to happen at all. So Tywin actually had a pretty decent plan for resolving this whole situation pretty bloodlessly. Um, well, knowing Tywin, there would have been a bit of blood, um, but 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 he, he he wanted to bring a swift end to the war. Um, but that plan was fucked up when the horsey fell on Ned's leg. Because uh, when the horsey fell on Ned's leg and his leg broke, he was unable to travel, he was unable to go and deal with Gregor Clegane personally, and he stayed at King's Landing, and shit got more real. Um, so that little event was quite consequential, Jamie attacking Ned and the horse falling on his leg. Uh, and so shit's pretty bad in the Riverlands, basically. Um, and Rob is talking about some of the allies he's brought together, he's sent word to Howland Reed, uh, the Crannogman in the neck, uh, hanging out in the bogs uh, who will, uh, help defend the Neck against any Southerners coming up, um, and, and, so, Rob Sands has always sort of got a decent, uh, hold on all of the shit that's going on strategically, but she's still thinking, man, how is my 15-year-old son gonna oppose seasoned battle commanders, like Tywin and Jamie Lannister? Um... And so Rob's planning on marching south, and Catelyn's like, eh, should we? Like, couldn't we just stay at Moat Cailin? Wouldn't it be safer to stay at Moat and just be defensive? And Rob's like, eh, well, we don't have that much food and supplies to just sit here, like, we, we really sort of need to get going. Um, and, and Catelyn realises that Rob is sort of just repeating some of the things that his bannermen have told him. He's relying a lot, uh, on the advice of his bannermen, um... And and she sort of thinks to herself, well, look, if you're listening to your bannermen's advice so closely, you better be aware of what their motivations are and what sort of men uh, they are. Caleb Robinson asks, is there a reason why Howland doesn't join the army? And that's a really good question. Um, repeatedly, the Northerners keep going like, ooh, I know the worth of Howland Reed. Howland Reed sure is a great guy. The Kranigmen sure are important. They are a They are a house that's sworn to obey the North. Um, but they don't turn up at any of the battles, they don't turn up at any of the meetings, they just sort of stay in their bogs and doing their own little funny little bog, bog things. Um, at one point they do attack Moat Cailin, this castle that we're in now, when, uh, the, the moat gets occupied by Ironborn, uh, the crowningmen do attack, but we never actually meet any of them. We never we never get to see any of the Kranigmen, and we never get to meet Howland Reed. So there are a lot of theories about what the Kranigmen, uh and Howland Reed are up to. Um, so one of the things is that uh, Major Mormont and Gilbert Glover, uh, who one of the who are one of the people who see uh, Rob Stark. Uh, declared John Snow as his heir, as king in the north, uh, are sent to Howland Reed in order to give him some orders about Moat Cailin. Uh, and so a lot of people speculate that Major Mormont and Gubba Glover tell Howland Reed uh, about the will and about how John Snow is now technically king in the north, with the death of Robb, uh, which is really significant given that Howland was one of the survivors of the Tower of Joy, which probably means that Howland knows about R plus L equals J. Howland knows that Jon is the son of Rhaegar Targaryen, uh, the, the, the the Targaryen prince of the Seven Kingdoms. Uh, so that puts a lot of important information in the hands of Howland Reed. So maybe Howland is in there plotting uh, something, as part of some sort of Grand Northern conspiracy, uh, in order to eventually crown John in some capacity. That is one possibility as to what the Krennic men are up to. The other possibility is that Howland is secretly the High Sparrow, uh, which um, some alt-shift wanker did some ridiculous video ago, video on years ago. Wouldn't recommend it. Uh, pretty ridiculous theory, really. HS equals HR. Pretty... Pre- three out of ten. Um... <clears throat> so I'm glad we've established that with Howland, uh, and so uh, Catelyn is worried about her son Rob fighting all of these scary, scary Lannisters, um, and and she's like, uh, "All right, so who are you gonna who are you gonna lead your army with? Who are you gonna put in charge?" Um, and Rob's like, "Well." Oh, and and like, what? Where are you going to march? And so Rob's like, "Well, we could send like uh, Great John right up at Tywin and and attack, but or maybe we could go around and attack the Kingslayer, Jamie, instead, because there's these two separate Lannister armies." Um, and Catelyn's like, "Look, you got to be more decisive. You got to just choose something. Got you got to sort shit out." Command, Catelyn says. Catelyn commands Rob to command. It's commands all the way down. Um, and so. And so Callan's like, look, you've really got to make up your plan. You've got to work something out. You've got to decide. Uh, and so Rob puts a map over the table. And the map is a ragged piece of old leather that's been painted with, faint- with faded paint. Isn't that crazy that that's how maps used to work? Before you had Google Earth, you literally had to get a bit of cow skin. And you had to draw a picture of what the Earth looks like on it. Isn't that hilarious, technologically? Uh, but he has a piece of old leather as a map. Um... Do you think you do you think it's wearable leather? Do you think you could like make pants out of a map and just wear like a world map on your pants and then if ever you get lost, you just take off your pants and fold them out and you've got a nice little leather map on the table so you can navigate. Uh that's that's that would be great. Um and Catelyn's like, Alright, you gotta decide. Uh and so and so Rob's like, Alright, how about this? We will leave a few blokes at Moat Kalen just to hold the north, just to make sure that we're safe. Um, but then after we march down from Moat Kalen, we'll split our army in two, uh, and one of us will draw Tywin Lannister by marching down the King's Road. Uh, but meanwhile, um, and the other side will go on the other side of the river, uh, uh, on, the other side, uh, on the other side of Riverrun to split up Jamie and Tywin. Um, and what that does mean is that we'll have to, we'll have to cross the twins, the bridge held by, uh, House Frey, um, and, and Catelyn warns that, well, that might not be the best idea to trust Walder Frey, um, because Walder Frey is, me, me, me. Uh, they don't really trust Walder Frey, but Rob's like, yeah, I know, I know a Walder can't be trusted, uh, but I think, I think we'll sort of keep an eye on him and it'll be fine, um. Of course, eventually, Walder Frey is one of the architects of the Red Wedding that kills Rob, uh, so perhaps he was not untrusting enough of Walder Frey. Um, but anyway, so Rob's going to go across with that Western army, um, because Rob always wants to take the more dangerous task himself, just like Ned, just like how Ned wanted to go and execute Gregor Clegane personally, uh, Rob wants to go in the more dangerous branch of the army. Uh, and so the other, the other army, uh, when they split up is, uh, Rob thinks of having them led by the great John, um, because he seems very big and angry and important and Catelyn's like, eh. Don't know if that's the best option. Just because the great John's big and noisy doesn't mean he's the best commander. If he's your defensive person, if he's your the one who's standing in between uh, the Lannisters and the North, we want someone who's a bit more defensive. Not someone, not someone fearless, but someone calculating and cunning. Who, who, who reminds you of someone calculating and cold amongst your bannermen? And Rob's immediately like <gasps> Roose Bolton. He's he's a scary bloke. Uh I'll I'll use him as my like defensive defensive guy. Um and so and so Catelyn's like, yeah. All right, good. You yeah, I Roose Bolton scares me, so hopefully he'll scare Tywin Lannister. Uh and so Rob's like, all right, sounds good. I'll give the commands. Uh great. Good pep talk. Good talk, Mum. Thanks for the battle advice. Thanks for the military strategy advice, Mum. Uh, And thanks for not sending me home without my supper. Uh, I'm going to go march off and do a war now. I'm going to go do a war. Uh, In the meanwhile, uh, I reckon you should go back to Winterfell. I'll send some blokes to to take you home. It'll be great. Um, And Catelyn decides, well, you know, I'd kind of like to go back to my children in Winterfell and be safe, but I've got a responsibility to my family, the Tullys. Catelyn is, of course, for all this... Uh, she was born a Tully, not a Stark, uh, and her father is his name is Hoster Tully, and Hoster Tully is in River Run, possibly dying because Catelyn has noticed that the Tullys have been commanded by Edmure Tully recently, uh, which is unusual given that normally they would be led by his father, Hoster Tully, who's the actual Lord of River Run. Uh, so Catelyn's concerned about the well-being of her father, so she decides to go to River Run, which is currently besieged by the Lannisters. Um, she wants to get to her family and spend time with them and lend whatever strength that she has to them. Uh so Catelyn decides to go to River Run. And that is how the chapter ends. So I think that was a interesting chapter. It's cool learning about mount Kalen, and it's interesting seeing more of the dynamics between Catelyn and Rob, and Rob's whole sort of growth as a man instead of a boy, Uh, and also Catelyn's role in advising and shaping the growth of her son Rob, and indeed of, you know, northern military strategy. Just like uh, Daenerys and Drogo, the woman, even though she technically is not meant to be in command in any capacity, actually has a great deal of influence in deciding uh, who attacks who and what ends up happening. Uh, Though, of course, uh, all of this would not have to have been necessary um, uh, if if Catelyn hadn't just captured and Lannister in the first place. Um, all right, so with that chapter complete, I'd like to I'd like to do a Q and A, but not a Q and A where uh, you do the Q's and I do the A's. I want to do a couple of Q's and I want you guys to do a couple of A's, if you would be so kind. Uh, so this is Game of Thrones abridged and Alt Swift X uh i think it's i think it's fun uh you you guys seem to enjoy it, so we'll keep doing this but uh also been thinking about doing some kind of similar similar series similar project uh with some other books uh so not so Game of Thrones is sort of the main focus of alt shift X, but believe it or not. There are other books, you know, there are other authors. George R. R. Martin is not the only person who wrote a book. Uh, two people, two other individuals who have written books, uh, there are at least two other individuals. Uh, yeah, there is Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is something we could maybe do, but the Lord of the Rings is fucking long, mate. There's a lot of hills. There's a lot of hobbiting. Like, honestly, like the first, the first like 200 pages is just, it's all hobbiting, Um, Hitchhiker's Guide is indeed something else we could do. Uh, I think might, maybe might do, try that as like a one-off, just like the first bit of Hitchhiker's Guide I think would be really fun. Uh, I think I would have a lot to say about the Hitchhiker's Guide, I think that could be great. Um, June, June is another option, June is great, um, but here are the two things I was thinking of, two books I was thinking of. One, American Gods, and two the Dark Tower. So American Gods is this like freaky thing by Neil Gaiman, which is all about like uh, these modern gods of like technology and celebrity in this bizarre metaphysical fantasy battle with the old gods like Thor and these Egyptian gods and shit, and there's currently a TV show Uh, an adaptation of American Gods on at the moment. So I think American Gods is something that people will be interested in at the moment. So American Gods, I think, would be a really cool option. Another option is The Dark Tower. So they're they're making a movie of The Dark Tower at the moment. The movie looks uh, kind of shit, to be honest. Uh, But The Dark Tower still seems really cool. I haven't read The Dark Tower before. So if we do The Dark Tower, it'll be quite a different uh experience to the American Gods thing because I'll be experiencing it for the first time. Um so I might not have as much, you know, informative things to say about it. But I think it could be a cool shared experience perhaps to read the Dark Tower together. The Dark Tower, for what for those who aren't aware, is a is a long series by Stephen King. It's like a dark fantasy sort of thing. It's like a fantasy epic Western type thing, uh, where, like, this fucking cowboy guy is, like, crossing this desert towards this symbolic tower, and it's it's sort of, like, weirdly post-apocalyptic. It's, it's like, dreamlike. I've read just, like, the first uh, few chapters, and it's all sort of, like, weirdly otherworldly and and, and, and and ephemeral and nightmarish and, like, whoa, what's the fucking going on, man? Um, so it's a pretty cool, interesting series, I think, and it might be been an interesting one to read. Um, yeah, his Dark Materials is also cool. The Hobbit is also cool. You've got a lot of great suggestions in the chat. Um, but yeah, all right. I'm seeing some enthusiasm for American Gods. Yeah, maybe someone can draw up, like, a poll. Um, maybe someone can chuck in the comments of the YouTube channel a poll to decide whether, uh, American Gods or the Dark Tower or Hitchhiker's Guide or something else is, um, something you guys would be keen for. Uh, but I think... I think at the moment it might make sense to try either American Gods or Dark Tower. Might make a pilot of like each possible series uh, and we'll release them maybe at the end of Game of Thrones season seven uh, and then y'all can decide which one you want and then we can go ahead at it. And I also want to talk about so, like, the, the format, the style might be something that we'll experiment with. So, this is Alt-Shift-X, it's something very different to Alt-Shift-X, uh, I'm thinking of making something that's like a combination of the two. Uh, so, there are a lot of good things about Alt-Shift-X, uh, there are some good things about (laughs) Alt-Shift-X, uh, I think. I like the casual style, I like the improvised style, I like the live stream thing, uh, I think it would be good to capture some of that, and combine it with some of the good aspects of Alt-Shift-X. Um, so some of the good aspects of Alt Shift X are things like uh, knowing what's going on, uh, saying things that are accurate, uh, having some nice visuals or something sometime. That's all cool. So maybe it would be cool to combine uh, the best of Swift and Shift together into some new great thing. Uh, so it would be like a book club. Yes, Misty 306, it would be like a book club. It would be like a live streamed book club chat slash audiobook, slash improvisational nonsense uh yeah could do it on twitch could call it alt twitch x that is a great name I I've there actually already exists Alt Twitch X that is out there. Uh have made that. Um but another name I've been thinking of uh that might be nice what what do you guys what do you guys think of this? Alright, let's try this out. Try this on for size. What do you think of alt? shift radio, alt shift radio, alt shift radio. Does that, does that sound good? Cause it could be like a podcast, uh, as well. Like it could be something that we live stream. So you can participate in the live stream on either YouTube or Twitch or both. Can you do both? Uh, and then it gets podcasted as well. So you can download it. But I see a lot of you, <laughs> some people like, some people like the name, some people hate the name. Because uh, Alt Swift X, I'm assuming that you guys Alt Swift X is something that we want to keep, right? Alright, we we're, we're getting mixed responses to the name of Alt Shift Radio, uh, and that's fair enough. It's something we can think about. We could do Alt Radio, but that's even harder to even harder to fucking spell. But we'll we'll talk about that later. Let's not ramble for too long. Um, but yes, there are cool possibilities going on, uh, cool options. Uh, something like. Uh, American Gods of the Dark Tower would be great for a series, I think. Uh, something like alt Swift x maybe with a touch of Alt-Shift-X. Uh, and yeah, please go check out a poll. Someone, I'm sure, will be nice enough to put together a poll uh, to decide either um, American Gods of the Dark Tower or something else. So thank you all for coming to this episode of Game of Thrones Abridged on alt Swift. x x uh i hope you enjoyed this episode thank you for participating in the live stream uh uh and i think we'll leave it there oh yeah and don't worry like keep keep the shrift alive neil o'brien says we're not gonna kill alt swift x even if we are trying these uh new weird series uh new weird names and platforms uh i think alt swift x will is something that will continue as Old swift x um, I think there will be a break after Book One is complete on Game of Thrones Abridged. Uh, but I, the, I think we will do Book Two as well. I think we'll keep going with this Alt Swift X nonsense as well. So we'll continue to experiment with new stuff. Uh, but I think we'll keep this channel as well. Um, so yeah, have a great, have a great night, and see you all next time. Oh, and yeah, the 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 Alt SwiftX X on Discord, it is. It is the real Alt Shift X, so you can safely make that make that Discord user a mod without fear of it being some kind of mole, some kind of Russian spy out to hack your DNC. Don't need to worry about that. Alright, so long and good night.